Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be joining and listening or watching episode nine of Leadership Untitled, welcome to you. If you saw in my description here on LinkedIn, where I do this live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. So if you want to join live, share your comments and um, join the conversation, you are absolutely welcome to join me again on LinkedIn live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. But in my title or in my description, I use the word lazy. (laughs) I am not a fan of the word lazy. So a little bit of that is clickbait for sure. But there are few words that describe what we're going to talk about today, which is how to measure productivity in a meaningful way to build relationships and grow trust. One of the reasons throughout my whole career, and this includes, I guess, even before I had a career right out of university, my first job, I remember, and I was a technical writer. I worked in an office with developers. Um, Sometimes the lights were dim. Sometimes they were on. um, But we just stayed in that office. We never really left um, other than for lunch (laughs) to get to work, for breaks, for lunch, and then leaving. But there wasn't anything that required us truly to interact with other team members. And I remember, and this was years ago, so I will say my memory may be a little bit fuzzy, but I remember the discussion of some people being able to do their job from home and work from home. Definitely technology was one of the challenges way back then, but also just the what what came across the most was just the concern about, well, how do I know that they're actually working? And through the years, as I went from jobs to a career, that has been one of the enduring comments and enduring statements, enduring hesitancy about remote work. And as we are in this pandemic, Pandini, (laughs) Pandini, Panini presses, some people have been calling it. Um, But as we have entered into this pandemic that has at one point forced leaders, organizations to think about what remote work looks like or else organizations and what they do would have completely shut down, there is still, which is so surprising to me, a resistance towards remote work companies who were able to maintain and if not um, excel and grow their business while their team members or the majority of their team members were remote, continue to have a serious resistance to remote work. And there, you know, there, there is definitely some concern about, well, what do I do with this building? There are definitely very real problems that through creative discussion can likely be resolved. But at the heart of it is that how do I know that my employees are working? At the heart of it, it's a lack of trust. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. Again, episode nine, how to measure productivity meaningfully and build trust and relationships. My name is Karen Turner. I am the host of of the podcast that you're listening to, Leadership Untitled. And here we celebrate the diverse voices of leadership while we gain momentum in our careers, while we seek to refine our leadership skills and talk about how to navigate corporate politics. So let's jump into our topic today. Um, Rooted in a lack of trust. That is what I have seen again consistently being at the heart of the resistance towards remote work. And when I say consistently, I am talking about from the 90s all the way up to where we are today. That has been the one common thread. There's, again, other issues about technology. What do we do with the empty building? What what about people who don't want to work remote? But all of these are conversations that need to be had and can be creatively solved. But today we're going to address that lack of trust and also that little bit of lazy leadership that allows organizations and its leaders to be comforted by seeing their team members in seats. So even if the bottom line isn't necessarily benefiting from that model, leaders have become comforted by seeing butts in seats. And so if you're here, you must be working. Um, If you're here, I can see you. I can monitor how much you talk. I can monitor that your breaks are of a certain length. I can monitor that you're here and that you're not doing other things. Even though that monitoring at its basic level, it doesn't actually lead to increased productivity. It just leads to you feeling like because I can see you, it leads to you feeling that comfort as a leader. Well, then if they're here, they must be doing work. And actually diving into and scrutinizing the work that is being performed, how it is benefiting the team, how it is benefiting the overall organization, that work, that that research, that investigation, that scrutiny isn't happening. It's the comfort of, I know you're there. I can police your actions in a way that make me feel comfortable. But that doesn't always lead to benefiting the overall organization. You can have team members who come in and pass hours during the day who are doing tasks, but again, not necessarily moving the bottom line in a positive way. They are there on time. They follow the rules, the policies of the organization. They don't necessarily cause any problems. They are reliable. And after 10, 20, 30 years pass, they're still there. But this type of leadership through, (laughs) this type of leadership through um, policing, again, for lack of a better word, through policing, doesn't benefit the organization, but it also doesn't benefit the employee. It doesn't benefit your team member because where are their growth opportunities? How are you 
helping them to expand? How are you helping them to truly connect with the work that they're doing? How are you connecting with them to say, what are your ideas? How do you see your role evolving? Because oftentimes these team members, when asked, will have a lot of ideas. But if not asked or if working in an environment where it doesn't seem that that feedback is wanted or desired, then they just come in and they become a cog in a process. And that is the least meaningful work that can be done. So figuring out a plan creating a plan that is a requirement for leaders and organizations to measure productivity not only benefits that bottom line, but truly helps that employee, your team member, to be to feel more connected, to feel more engaged in what it is that they're doing. In episode eight, so the previous episode to this one, I shared best practices on how you can be the leader that your team needs. And it's a focus on your team. It is focused on relationship building activities. And one of the one of the key principles that I shared was the power of the one-on-one meeting, that sacred one-on-one meeting that needs to be honored. And when we talk about creating a meaningful plan for productivity, I'm talking about creating one that will work in a remote environment and also one that will work in person. These plans are effective no matter where you are situated in relationship, in physical relationship with the people who you lead. So going to that one-on-one meeting, that is the basis of creating this meaningful plan, productivity plan. And this is not just for you leading down to your team, leading across. It is also a way for you to show initiative and leading up to those who you report to as well. So first things first in creating this plan, begin with clear expectations. If you are starting from a place where things have just gone on out of routine, it's okay for you to stop and say, we're going to be doing things differently and explaining why, communicating. It is okay for leaders to show up authentically to say, I'm human. We are all humans. There isn't anything inherently different or better about you because of the title you have that says you know the answer to everything and that you never make mistakes, that you never go off course. Your team members want to know what's happening. So communicating and saying, you know what? I have been following this incredible podcast, <laughs> Leadership Untitled, where she, where the host Karen shared these really great tips. It's okay for you to share that you are learning and recognizing that there are ways that you can continue to grow. I continue to grow as well and evolve. And many of these 
principles and practices that I'm sharing with you today are ones that I have followed, but I can't say to you that I've followed them 100%. And they have certainly evolved over the years. And it is by me practicing, of course, and then making them my own. Also with me listening to others, the coaching that I have received, attending seminars, conferences. So we need to continually grow, but also not keep that information to ourselves. Um, Someone, a dear friend of mine once shared with me, I need to be a conduit of information that I'm receiving and not a dam. So the information that you are learning should never stop with you. Find a way to share it, especially around leadership, Ultimately, your goal is to grow leaders on your team. So be sure that you are passing information through that you are learning. So if you have fallen off the wayside, if things have become routine and what I'm sharing with you resonates, share why you're doing it with your team at the outset and what the ultimate purpose and goal is. So begin with clear expectations. This, of course, goes beyond the job description. Your job description is likely very generic, upper level, but doesn't describe what to do or how to manage or how to move through your day, how to address projects that are assigned, um, how to address different goals for or targets that your department or organization is seeking. So set clear expectations. Does your team know right now what the organizational goals are, what those targets are, what their department targets are? Do they know what your goals are? And then once you have shared all of these different targets, different goals, then help them to establish their goals with these in mind and looking to what it is that they want to do as well and how they want to grow within the organization. So set clear expectations, beginning with clarity on where the organization wants to go, where the department needs to go, where you are headed, and show how and help to set goals with them that will fit into that larger picture. And that can happen at any time. It doesn't have to be at an annual eval. It doesn't have to be at the start of a year. It could be on March the 12th. It could be on July the 5th. Whenever you are hearing this message, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It's okay to stop and say, let's reset and be sure that we're on the same page with the expectations that I have from you. So set those goals. And if needed, talk about where the, their day-to-day performance, the tasks that need to be done no matter what. If, they're, if they've been doing an incredible job, it's a great time during this conversation to celebrate that. If there's a need for recalibration, it's also an incredible time to say, this is what I've noticed. Let's work together to solve this issue and to help move from here. Effective coaching and counseling. So your weekly one-on-one now should not be more than 15 to 20 minutes. Of course, there's flexibility in that. There are times where your team member, especially as you are building trust with them, may share something that requires more time. So being flexible, but on a regular weekly basis to ensure that you're not experiencing meeting burnout, keep it to 15 to 20 minutes, very focused. 
you want to focus on what the targets are, what actions need to be taken, and also how you can help them as their leader. The framework that I use for these meetings is successes, challenges, and deliverables. I actually came across this or I was taught this framework from Vicki Morrell, who is the CEO of Define Success and Make It Happen many, many, many years ago. And it completely shifted the way in which I interact with my colleagues. And that's actually how the framework was first introduced to me was as a way to build relationships with colleagues. Through the years, I've found it, I've tweaked it, um, shifted it a little bit. And now it is the core foundation of how I build relationships with my team members. So I don't actually use it that much with colleagues, but I use it with team members and also as a way to stay connected to my leader. So again, it is successes, challenges, and deliverables. For each category, you every week want to have your team member before the weekly one-on-one complete it. They can send it to you by email, what their successes were, what their challenges were, and what their deliverables are, what they're committing to complete by the next time you meet. So at least one day in advance, have them send you an email. That list should be no more than five items long, no more than five items long. Once it gets longer than that, and believe me, I have let this one slide <laughs> too much. That's again where meeting burnout is going to happen. When you when your team member sends it to you or comes in at the last minute and there are 15 items on, under everyone, it just becomes a slog. And we don't want that. We want these meetings to keep both of you energized and both of you focused. So Fifth, no more than five items underneath each one. Plus, it helps your team member to set priorities and, and understand priorities. And it allows you to see, as we talk about productivity, if they are prioritizing the right things. Because if they're coming to you with three to five successes, challenges, and deliverables that have nothing to do with the goals that you have established, then that is a very quick way to say we need to course correct. And to have that happen on a weekly basis allows you to course correct before things snowball. So for three to five successes, you want to be sure that you're letting, that they are letting you know what they have accomplished so you can celebrate it. And again, if they're focused on successes or mention successes um, that are not, that are great, congratulations, celebrate the successes, but you're not seeing week over week how these successes are building towards the goals, then that's an opportunity to celebrate and also say, well, let's talk about what else is on your list or let's talk about X, Y, and Z. What happened to this project? Where, where are we toward working towards this goal? and having those meaningful conversations. Then you want to talk about challenges. And those three to five challenges that they list is an opportunity for you to hear you're not providing them with the answers. You are going to first listen to see what their problem, how they problem solve, how they are resolving what they have done to resolve, and if needed, working together to come up with a solution. 
You can also identify trends that are happening. If the same topic, if the exact same topic is showing up week to week, then definitely as a leader, you need to step in and figure out what's happening. If you're noticing a trend with a particular topic, um, there's continual employee issues. While the employees may be different, the issue that keeps coming up is the same, then it's important to address it and say, well, what is the root cause? And to see if your team member also is recognizing and finding the trends as well. These are great opportunities, again, to mentor. Your job is to grow leaders. Your job is to help mentor your team and create a succession plan. So these meetings are an incredible opportunity to say, if your team member hasn't recognized it, hey, have you noticed over the past two or three or four weeks of us meeting that the employee names have changed, but the situation has remained the same? So whatever is happening, we're not addressing or you are not addressing the root cause. Let's find out what's happening. Because remember, any issues with team members, um, with your leader who's coming to you for their weekly one-on-one, that's also your team. So it's important that you are finding ways to stay connected with the team members who don't report directly to you. And then you can also, as I mentioned, identify those gaps in your team members' leadership and help them grow. Lastly are your deliverables. Again, three to five deliverables. This is to ensure that as they go into the next week until you meet again, that you are aligned on priorities. And that as you look at their deliverables, that you are seeing that they are moving forward with the towards the goals and the priorities that have been set. And if not, a great opportunity, again, yes, you guessed it, to course correct. That's what I love about these weekly meetings. They allow you to prevent issues from snowballing. And so many of us, and and well, who doesn't actually, who does like having confrontation? There are some people who enjoy it. I'm not one of them. So many people who I know also avoid confrontation. And one of the hardest parts about leadership that I have found to be consistent amongst my colleagues and in reading, you know, best practices is crucial conversations. And of course, there are an entire series of books and courses around how to have crucial conversations, not just with in your personal life, but in your professional life as well. So your weekly meetings allow you to have crucial conversations that are not at the height of emotion. And that allows you to have a conversation in an absolutely casual way. Oh, hey, I noticed that your deliverables from the previous week haven't yet been done. Let's talk about where you are with them. Hey, I noticed that your deliverables for the coming week don't include this project. Hey, I noticed that you have had this particular challenge um, over the past few weeks, and we've already talked about ways that you can resolve it. Can you talk to me about how that has gone? It allows a safe place as you are building relationship and building trust both ways to have conversations in an unconfrontational way in a casual environment 
that doesn't cause defenses to rise. It is when on a weekly basis, and please don't do this disservice to the sacred one-on-one, but seeing a trend and not addressing it, seeing a, seeing a problem developing and not addressing it. That is the beauty and the power of the weekly one-on-one that is conducted in a structured format is to address these problems, address any trends, celebrate the things that are going well. That is what these weekly one-on-ones are for. So be sure that you are using the opportunity to have a chance to address things before they become an issue. Do it for your team member as respect to them to have these conversations. The other benefit of the one-on-one is just to see how your team member is doing. If they are coming or sending you your their successes, challenges, and deliverables, and there are blanks in every section, like, I have one success for this week. I didn't have any challenges. I'm working on one or two things for next week, or I couldn't think of any challenges, and I'll just wait until we meet to talk about what my deliverable should be. Red alert. That is a problem. That is someone who is not being productive or who has outgrown their role. And it's important for you to have that conversation and see which one of the two it is. Ultimately, this practice of the one-on-one, the structured one-on-one, is to help build trust and determine productivity, right? That's what we're talking about, how to measure productivity meaningfully. So either they are unperforming, underperforming, and actually underperforming and outgrowing a role, (laughs) they could still be underperforming, but you have to determine what it is. Do they have the tools that they need to do the job properly, effectively, to be successful? Are they underperforming because they have outgrown the role and you just haven't had that conversation? One, course correct, that's still your job, and so you still need to be performing in it, but let's talk about how we create a plan to move you into something meaningful. If you will notice that there's a shift in performance, if you have an A player who suddenly is coming to the one-on-ones lackluster, challenges that they're not overcoming, nip it in the bud, have that conversation, what is happening? Oftentimes, it may not be related to their professional environment. It may be something personal. Then bring in your people team as needed or have the discussion if your team member is willing to have that discussion. But when your A players are silent, we've all seen the quotes, we've we've heard the stories. When your A players go silent or when they suddenly shift in their behavior in a negative way, that is a red alert sign that needs to be addressed. The other beauty of the weekly one-on-one is that it's a time for you to see how you are doing as a leader. Have you made promises to your team member to help them resolve an issue, to move forward something, a project or an idea that they have had and you haven't done it? This weekly one-on-one holds you accountable to those things, holds you accountable to growing and mentoring your leaders. I loved it. It was a great reminder for me to say, oh, I promised this person that I would do X, Y, or Z. Let me be sure that I get it done before we meet next. 
So it's a great opportunity for you to do that. You may not at the end of a year have the same team members that you had at the start of the year. And that is absolutely um, acceptable. And the one-on-one makes it easier to identify those team members who are consistently underperforming, who may not have the attitude that fits your organizational culture. When you have your one-on-one, you can see the trends and you can work with your people team again to come in with coaching and counseling, create a plan. But then by the, if it continues to be an issue and the only next step is to end that employment relationship, you will know as a leader that you did what you could to help that person be successful in their role or in the organization. Because even in those situations where someone is underperforming um, or someone does something, there are there are situations where there won't be coaching and counseling. Um, and I've had those situations. So for example, someone forging your signature, that's not a coaching counseling. Trust is broken. That's immediate termination. But even in those situations, there's still honor and respect that can happen in the process. And I talk about that in a previous episode as well, the importance of honor and respect in a termination um, situation and how to honor both sides during that painful discussion um, and in that painful decision. So lastly, in addition to the one-on-one meeting, I also highly recommend a quarterly meeting. I recommend that you track your big picture. So when you're meeting weekly, you're in the details. And so it's important that you have a quarterly meeting, not yearly, but a quarterly meeting that allows you to take a big step back and see the big picture. Your weekly meetings and those details should be creating a cohesive story, a cohesive story of productivity, of success, and of growth. But oftentimes you can't see that big picture unless you take it back. So have that quarterly meeting where you are having conversations about the bigger picture. These will be about 30 to 45 minutes. You can reset your goals, um, reset targets, celebrate wins, address areas of growth. This is another place if for some reason in your weekly meetings, you have not been addressing um, areas of growth, areas of improvement, not addressing or having crucial conversations. Your quarterly meeting is that place. The place to have those conversations is not your annual eval. It is not that yearly evaluation. It is It is not. It is weekly or it is quarterly. Your team member should not be surprised that there are major issues or significant issues in their performance at their yearly evaluation. And that is such a common practice or common saying, but as, oh boy, I'm going to go for a quote. This is from Brendan Bouchard. Common sense is not common practice. You got it. Common sense is not common practice. So I still hear from team members that they are shocked at their evaluation. Or worse yet, you hear that quote where your team member should not be surprised and so you just 
go through the motions of doing an annual eval and don't address the things that need to be addressed. And so now you have a team member who's consistently underperforming, who you aren't coaching and counseling, who has multiple glowing evaluations in their personnel file. And that's that's dangerous on so many other levels as well. So your quarterly meetings are the time for you to do that target reset, goal reset, take back, look at the bigger picture and be sure you are both still moving in the right direction. It's also an opportunity for your team member to share where you can continue to help them grow and help them resolve issues and um, help them resolve issues and also move forward their growth opportunities as well. Because between your weekly and your quarterly meetings, you will have established a strong productivity plan that can be executed in person or remote, that you can build a meaningful and effective productivity plan that gives your organization the flexibility for work environment, work location. Your plan will build that team member's personnel file in a meaningful way that demonstrates consistent growth and evidence-based productivity with a clear return on investment, your ROI. So that is a win, win, win. Your employee, your team member feels valued. They feel that someone is interested in their performance and also in their growth. And that it's not just a one-way street, what are they doing for the organization, but how is the organization enriching their, enriching their career? And that is resignation-proofing your company. It is about helping your team member to plug in and feel engaged. And that requires us as leaders, as organizations, to reach out and engage them. That's the first win. The second win is that you as a leader will be recognized as someone who builds relationships, but also grows teams who can meet goals, reach goals, who has a plan. So you'll be recognized as an effective leader. And that last win is that your organization benefits because their bottom line will continue to improve and also their retention, especially now, their employee retention remains strong. Again, not everyone will make it towards the end of the year. At the end of the year, whatever that year looks like, you may have team members who it's just not a great fit, and you have to have those conversations. Your quarterly and weekly team meetings helps to build that story helps to build a narrative that you are having conversations, that you are helping them to grow, and that they have an opportunity to plug in. It is time consuming. I absolutely understand that. Yep. Um, As you are watching this, thank you to those who are watching me live. As you're watching this, you might be rolling your eyes as you're listening or just like, I don't have time for this. I have said it over and over again. As leaders, we lead people and not tasks. It is more time consuming to me when I am either personally doing a task that someone else should be doing because I'm not having the conversation that I needed to have, or that I've delegated now a task that 
a team member should be doing, but they're not doing it properly. So I've gone around them and someone else is doing it and their load is increasing. And now I have an A player who's taking on more work or that I am not engaging with my team members and my A players are just like, well, no one here cares about me. They're not engaging me. So I'm leaving. And now I have a role that I can't fill. And so again, it either falls to me or to my team members. And I have been in all of those situations. They are painful. Be taking 15 to 20 minutes a week with each of your direct reports, the people who report to you directly, is a lot more pleasant a process to me than what I just mentioned. I would rather take the time to engage, build trust, and have meaningful discussion then be in a position where we've all are just running around, not necessarily making things better, just being busy. So it is worth the time. It is worth the time. Our success as leaders is rooted in their success and our team members' success. So it is worth our while. It is actually not even worth our while. It should be required as leaders that we meet with our team members in a productive way way and an efficient way to build that trust and relationship. So I'll also throw this in. As I mentioned, I talked a lot about you with your team member, but again, you should be taking the initiative. And if your leader hasn't yet put in this plan, you should be establishing your one-on-one, your consistent one-on-one with them and your quarterly meetings and reviews with them. Make it easy. They're busy. So do the same thing. Give them the snapshot of your successes, your deliverables, your challenges, what you're doing to overcome them those challenges where they can potentially help you, what projects are you working on, what are new ideas, make it easy for them to meet with you, make it easy for them to say, this conversation is one that I look forward to on a weekly basis. So let me know, how do you measure productivity? How do you build trust in a meaningful way? How, whether that's remote or in person, what plans has your organization put into place? What are you going to do? And let me tell you, if you don't have a plan, if your organization doesn't have a plan, share this podcast with them, share this episode with them. This is something that can be done easily, meaningfully, and again, is remote proof, works in person to build that trust and um, again, build relationships. I look forward to hearing your comments, to hearing your feedback. If you're watching here on LinkedIn, comment below. You can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram. And how could I forget this podcast is sponsored by me again. (laughs) I am excited to announce a three-day NFT challenge. Um, I did a podcast a few episodes ago talking about the importance of leaders getting in front of and learning where we are with Web3 and how, as leaders, we need to take the lead to be able to navigate our communities into this new age. One of the most exciting parts of Web3 is NFTs or are NFTs. And so on Monday, January the 24th, I and my husband, Derek Turner, will be holding a three-day NFT challenge where we are going to help you learn what you need to know 
about NFTs and how to jump into this booming space. To find out more about how you can register, go to nftforleaders.com, NFTs, N-F-T-S, F-O-R, leaders.com for all the information you need and how to register. All right, share this episode, tell a friend. I can't wait to hear from you. I'll see you next week. Bye.